Hello everyone, it's Evan. And before we get to the episode, I just wanted to mention that during this episode, Sammy and I discuss while well, talking about one of their Seahawks draft picks, how they might be looking for a veteran running back. After the recording happened, the Seahawks did sign Carlos Hyde, a veteran to a free agent deal. So we did discuss it, but that was before the pick happened, although this episode will be coming out after the fact. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to Firmly Grasp It, a podcast about sports and all its being. I'm your host, Evan Greenberg. For today's episode, it's just me and my main podcast guest, my co-host, you know him as the King of Jordan, Sammy Oshawabke. Sammy, how are you today? Doing well. How are you doing? Doing well. It's nice to just have me and you for once. It's been great having all these guests on, but I miss it just being the two of us just doing what we do best. Gotta keep our flow going, you know? Oh, for sure. We are now, this is officially the end of the fourth week of our draft episodes. We are halfway done. Woohoo! And halfway there. It has been fun. We've gotten through a lot of teams so far, obviously not going any order. Today, if you've read the title of this episode, we're doing the Seattle Seahawks. But before we start, I want to change up our routine a little bit. And I want to shout out our Twitter and email early on instead of towards the end. If you have not done so already, you can follow us on Twitter at Graspit2020, or you can email us any questions or comments at Graspit2020 at gmail.com. And yeah, that's just wanted to get those, plug those in before we get going with the CLC Hawks draft. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. 12th man for life, except that Texas A&M is the real 12th man. Don't at me. And don't forget about the Sonics, you know, if we want to go Seattle. Yeah, I mean, Seattle has, as much as I like to make fun of the 12th man, Seattle does have a great sports base. We've talked about the Seahawks in our Quickly Grasp It episode, or the Supersonics are Quickly Grasp It episode. And pretty much even all their teams just really have great fans. The Seattle, who's their soccer team? Why am I blanking on their name? Um, Wow, I'm blanking too. Sounders. Seattle Sounders. I know they're like, them and the Portland Timbers are 1-2 in terms of fan base. They just really, the even we've talked about the Mariners, they're hit or miss, but the Seahawks just have great fans. And in the last several years, Russell Wilson has really given them something to cheer about. They had their Super Bowl win with the Legion of Boom, and now they're more of an offensive-focused team. Let's get to it. Let's do it. Let's just move on to the Seahawks' pre-draft needs. I didn't have too many, but one, two, and three all in the offensive line left guard, center, and right tackular in particular, and then on the defensive line, whether it's interior or an edge rusher? I had pretty much the same thing. I also had another wide receiver three and uh, possibly an inside linebacker, especially with, I believe, Kurt Averill, he retired. Well, Cliff Averill wasn't an inside linebacker, but they still have Bobby Wagner. That's true. I, mean, I think you could use more, right. more depth right. on that. Linebacker they're okay with. Wide receiver, I could totally say that they could use another one. That's understandable. They're, I mean, they're okay there. They have, they drafted Metcalf last year, who's been great. They have Tyler Lockett, who's been pretty consistent year in and year out. Third guy, they could need, but they're not a big three wide receiver set. They're not an offensive juggernaut on that. They like to put in tight ends and just run the ball a lot. They're, that's the Pete Carroll identity. Yeah, I mean, they, they got Dorsett, so unless you count him as your number three and, you know. No, no. no. 
He's a, I don't know what he is. He's a attempt at a third receiver, but I would say he's David actually, Moore. If you're a third receiver, you might you might be in a little bit of trouble. Who? David Moore. Yeah, also the same. You they need a third guy. You're probably right. I I'm not going to include that now. They only took one receiver and he was in the sixth round, so I don't expect him to really be their third receiver either. But I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that when we get there. Let's start with their first pick. First round, 27th overall. They took Jordan Brooks, linebacker out of Texas Tech. I'll let you start with this one, Sammy. What were your thoughts and grade on this pick? I really, really don't understand this pick. I know I said linebacker. I know I literally just said linebacker is their need. But if they're looking for a next K.J. Wright or backup to Wagner, that's fine. But there were too many players at this point that... I feel like they could have addressed their offensive line even more. I don't know. I'm I'm confused because Brooks is value. This is I would consider this a reach for him, honestly. I don't think they could have they could have definitely got him in the, the second or third round. Most most likely the second round. You think? Well <laughs> we didn't really have him we didn't really talk about him that much in the first round, if I recall. We- I'm being sarcastic. I, he was nowhere close to the first round for me. It's really confusing. I mean, he's not a bad player is the thing. Like, he's a really good player. And he has experience in the inside and outside uh, linebacker roles. But taking him here when there were a few other guys, as well as just his value overall wasn't meant to be in the first round, I'm giving it a C. You're being generous, in my opinion, because I talked about him once. Do you know what pick I had him mentioned as, potentially? Where? 103 to the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, 103, 27. It's the same thing. It's a couple little picks off. This is, you know how Bryce Hall was my one check plus plus? Yeah. This is my one minus minus. Minus minus, the only one. This pick was atrocious. I... It's, I mentioned this at some point. I believe we were talking about Seattle's draft picks with somebody else. And how it's classic Seattle to just take a guy in the first round that is nowhere near valued in the first round. They've done that multiple times in the last few years with RJ Collier and Rashad Penny in the past couple of years. Just another really on. I can't even defend this pick. I didn't have linebackers in need, which takes away that element. And you don't need him right away. He had injury issues at Texas Tech. The Seahawks tried to make an excuse that his value was rising rapidly and they wouldn't have been able to get him elsewhere. I just don't buy that in the slightest. He can play, sure, he has that little versatility, which they like. I don't see him. He's also undersized. Doesn't necessarily fit the mold that they're looking for with their linebackers. The linebackers are very prototypical in their size and just have great range. His range isn't as great as the guys they typically have, and he doesn't have the size. He's not a bad player. The value is just so blown out of proportion they had three picks that probably could have taken him at if they didn't want to trade down with any of them and for some reason they decided he was their first one just really did not make sense to me it's a minus minus in terms of value there's nothing again again against jordan brooks i'm sure he could be a fine player the value is just preposterous do better seattle i mean i think he's gonna be a good player overall but it's just really confusing what what they're doing here especially with drafting him so high like it's really not his fault like you know there are other players where i've questioned their value and where they've there they've been drafted but 
it's not their fault. <laughs> it's the thing. No, Brooks is by all means a really good player. He's a really good tackler, and he's he's. I remember watching a little t- few Texas Tech game last season, and he was probably one of the few like star defensive players in just the conference in general. But it was too high for yeah. him. Yeah, it's my bigs aren't like my grades aren't biased against whether I like the player or not. It's the same with a guy like Van Jefferson. It's nothing to do with the player. It's that these teams just for some reason value these guys so out of proportion to where they should be. That's my issue with it. It's not the player itself or the talent of the player. It's just compared to all the other players they could have gotten, whether linebacker or just any other position, they would have gotten better value if they'd taken literally anybody else. They could like, even trade it down from here and, and still picked him up. They could have traded down three times and still probably gotten him with this overall pick it just didn't make any sense he's one of the i think three or four guys that were clearly not a first round pick that were taking the first round but he also i didn't even have him as a second round grade which just makes it even worse it was just the value is so bad here uh it, it upsets me like like i said not his fault but i don't know what seattle's doing well let's go on a little more positive or i don't know if you want to call Depends how you feel about the next pick, if you want to call it more positive. You can only go up with my feelings from that pick. <laughs> but the next pick, second round, 48th overall, they took Darrell Taylor, defensive end out of Tennessee. Slightly better on this one. It's a check minus. Not quite a minus minus, because at least the defensive line was a need. But another guy that we mentioned mid to late third round, another guy that was just a huge reach, another guy that I do like as a player and he I understand him like I said at least he fits a position in need and will probably be a decent player for them year one but another guy that they could have traded down and taken so just another just poor understanding of valuation so far they're acting like the Texans of the draft where the Texans in free agency just don't read the market at all or the other teams the Seahawks just are doing that here unlike and we this is going to be recorded before we release the Cowboys episode, but we did the Cowboys recording the day before this one, and the Cowboys were so good at evaluating talent and just getting the best player available. And the Seahawks seems like they did the exact opposite. They just said we want this guy. We have no care of where we get him. See, the thing is, is the other the other big thing with them is they traded up for him. They didn't just let him fall to them. They traded up for him. They. They gave up. I'm not sure what it is they gave up exactly, but it's just the fact that they gave up capital, whether it's a player or what was it? It was a, it was originally the Jets pick, I want to say. But yes, yes, you're right. They traded up for this pick for a guy that they end up reaching for. So it's just all around confusing to me as well. And the thing is, like you mentioned, it's nothing on the player himself. I really like Taylor. I think he's going to really bring a good sense of leadership in that, you know, being groomed as like another one of those players on their defensive line that would be like I'm trying to think of who Bruce Irvin he's he's not he's not he's going to be competing with Bruce Irvin and what Rasheem Green but he brings that level of leadership from Tennessee that I I really enjoyed and he's he has a he has a nice ceiling for him but it's just this isn't the spot to pick him for that ceiling no it's one of those guys they're Plenty of other guys with equally high ceilings that were taken in the third round or later. And maybe his floor is slightly higher than those guys, like a Jabari Zuniga, per se, another SEC defensive end. 
I consider those two pretty equal in terms of their upside potential. But Zuniga went in the third round and Taylor went mid-second and was traded up for it, which I don't even include. That check minus is just the pick itself with the player. The problem with trading up for him is you're ex- you're going to be expecting a lot more out of him because they want, they want you could tell they wanted him very badly and were afraid they were going to lose him. There's that, but Seahawks are clearly in a different mindset. I You would expect them to be in more of a win-now mode with Russell Wilson making what he does and getting a little getting older year by year. But those two first two picks don't say that to me. They say we are in a long-term development kind of not. They're not rebuilding. Obviously they're just not going for that win. Now they're trading up, but they're taking a guy who's not going to be a all-star caliber pro bowl caliber player. And their first round pick, as we mentioned, doesn't really fit a need and is probably not even going to start year one. So their first two picks, even at least this one, it hits a need and he'll probably get some decent playing time as a rookie. There's just the question of whether he's going to hit that ceiling on this team. Well, they had a, another pick that we could talk about who I, you know, why don't you just take over? <laughs> well, this was, I, I mean, this were definitely, we're getting more positive here at least. <laughs> Third round. 69th overall, they took Damian Lewis, guard out of LSU. Obviously, I have to let you start here, so <laughs> take it away. I probably one of my few favorite picks in the draft, not because he's LSU, <laughs> but because he fills out the need of a guard. I like that they're finally addressing the offensive line, although it's starting to become a little bit too late as they get later and later in the draft as more guys go. He his specialty is run blocking, so ooh, for Chris Carson or Penny, they should be happy with picking with them picking him. But in terms of just overall pass guarding, is he's a little shaky. I've noticed he was probably one of the he wasn't like one of the top guys from that uh, LSU line last season. He was he was definitely a star on that line, but he wasn't like Cushenberry. You know, Cushenberry stole the show. Cushenberry was still available. That's the thing. Cushenberry is still available. So that's why I want to give this a really high grade, but I'm going to stick with a B for him. This is my second favorite pick of them as well, which is, once again, not saying much. In terms of value, I actually had projected him to go to the Seahawks at 64. They ended up trading up to get that 48th pick. But they were when they were at 64 originally, that was where I had Lewis going. So I had him going to the Seahawks right around the range. As you mentioned, Scheme wise, being a run defend run blocker in his specialty, and the Seahawks wanting to be a run first identity, it works out nicely. It's a very Pete Carroll, John Schneider draft pick. He should be fine. He'll probably, due to their offensive line woes, be a day one, if not year one starter. I like his potential there, and I like his fit here as well. It's a check for me, it's a decent pick. There were better guys. On the offensive line, they're available. They should have addressed it with one of their first two picks instead of the guys that we already talked about. But it's a nice start here, at least. Although, unfortunately, he is the only offensive lineman that they drafted. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Not the only Tiger, at least. They did well on the Tiger front. Oh, we're going to get there when we get there. <laughs> yeah, we got time. Their next pick, fourth round. They had two fourth round picks. First one, 133rd overall. They took Kobe Parkinson, tight end out of Stanford. I gave this one a zero. I mean, Stanford's just known for Colby tight ends, right? Because Colby Fleener was also a Stanford tight end. They're That's just true, like, yeah. 
they like tight ends named Colby for some reason, or Kobe and Colby. I didn't have a tight end as a need. His value is projected in that fourth round, so he makes sense there. They have a few tight ends. Some of them are healthier than others, but I thought they would be content with what they had. I guess not. They wanted to add Parkinson. He's a decent pass catcher, but he's not. Tight end was, we've talked about this generally weak this entire year, and he fits that mold. I don't expect him to be a major contributor. He can potentially compete four snaps at the tight end position for them the next couple of years. Don't expect him to really be a breakout guy and be a stud tight end that they're obviously continuing to look for. At least they didn't reach on a tight end. That would have been a shame. So it's just a zero for me. What about you? I just gave it a, a C grade. I wasn't a huge fan of the pick. Tight end wasn't a need, and they have – Probably like six guys already on on that roster that are tight ends. And also, they just got, I mean, it's only a one-year deal, but they got Greg Olson over the uh, offseason. So I'm not a huge fan of them really looking at tight ends. I know that he's probably going to be competing as maybe the second or third tight end on the roster if, if you know, something happens to Greg Olson at least. Hollister... And they have who, Luke Wilson, Will Disley. Disley, that's it, yeah. So they have a lot of tight ends. You're absolutely right. It's it's we've mentioned it's going to be a just a competition of second level tight end play. And I, I guess I would say getting another player in it's I wouldn't say it's that deep in that the position's not that deep, but they have so many guys here that they could have just used this pick on a different position that they don't have as many serviceable options to work with. For sure. What their ideal plan would have been was to take a right tackle already, and then you can get guard here because, as we've mentioned, the guards really fell, and there were a few that we liked in the fourth round that they could have taken. But considering Damien Lewis was their guard that they took in the third round, and we like Lewis, it's just the overall draft strategy is a little confusing, personally. It's... Yeah, I'm just confused with the Seahawks at the moment, but when when we get to the overall, I'll, I'll make my comments. Okay, fair enough. Let's move on to the next pick. I'm curious about your thoughts on this one. Fourth round, 144 overall. They took DJ Dallas, running back out of Miami. So what were your thoughts and grades on the Dallas pick? I'm, I'm in between, you know? I'm in between. I want to give him... I originally want to give him like a C plus, but I also want to give him a C minus. I also want to give him a C. I'm in the C's with him. I don't think he's a bad player. I mean, they already have, as I mentioned already, they have Chris Carson and Penny, and we're going to be probably their two main starters. In terms of who he is as a player, he brings out you know, another pass catching back. Probably could be a third down back if he... If something happens to one of the first two, but if this is an overall depth piece, just as similar as uh, Parkinson, they were already covered on this front. I don't know if they're concerned of maybe they might have injury concerns again, like last season, where not they didn't have both guys available. But I'm I'm giving it in the same range as as Parkinson, the previous pick. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you there. They don't have any other running backs besides Carson and Penny. Penny coming off an ACL injury and Carson was also injured last year. I just I don't expect him to be a day one starter though. And there's also a lot of rumors that they're looking to sign 
some other free agent, whether it's Marshawn Lynch or Devontae Freeman is the most latest rumor of a guy that they were interested in, although I believe Freeman rebuffed their initial offer. So at this point, he's still a free agent, and they're kind of looking elsewhere. I gave it a zero, but grade-wise would be around the seas as well. Sure, he can be your third-down guy, and they do need a receiving back. They do not have one currently, which would be a nice spot for them. And I maybe at this point, getting a third-down running back, I feel like the value there seems a little off. He is coming off an injury as well, actually, I believe. But he's he'll be good for the regular season. I'm not as worried about him. It's once again kind of similar to the Parkinson pick. Seems like a longer term picture, but looking a little too far into the future, two, three years down the road. Because Penny, as we mentioned, was only drafted a couple years ago. And Carson's a free agent after the 2021 season. So he has a little more time on his contract as well. And I think they like Carson, which means they will like, I would believe they'll look to re-sign him. Maybe they won't though. But there's, it's another, it's a not a crowded backfield, but I don't see him getting too much besides a catching back capacity. I agree completely. Yeah, it's a another sort of questionable. It's not an awful pick, but kind of questionable. Their next pick, fifth round, 148th overall. They took Alton Robinson, defensive end out of Syracuse. One, we, we did talk about this one a little before the pod. We usually do not, but I mentioned that I only had one check plus slash plus in general, and it was this pick. He was a guy that I thought I had mentioned as a late third round pick. I did not. He was projected in many places to be a late third, early fourth guy. I like the value there that here. He had some injury issues, which is why he fell. And his motor is a little bit, or yeah, his motor is a little bit of a question mark. But a very talented player, especially two years ago when Syracuse was a solid contributor into the college football world. He was one of their better defenders. And their defense, as much as people like to talk about, Eric Dungey, he was really, Robinson was one of their main catalysts. In this system, I'm curious, I think he could work really well. Taylor is obviously a better, although I like the Robinson pick and I didn't like the Taylor pick, Taylor is still a better defensive end who will get more time playing on. Robinson may be projected as more of a long-term guy. Another one of those, but at least I see the upside here where I don't necessarily see it with guys like Parkinson and Dallas. Yeah, I can see why you'd be happy with this pick. I'm, I'm indifferent. I, I I do agree that this is probably, in terms of value, this was a really good spot to pick him. And I think with him, with Taylor, as like two developmental guys for the future is, is not a bad plan. At the moment, I'm not sure you, if you're expecting him to start day one because they still have Collier and I believe Benson Mayoa for... Yeah, and they also have uh, Shaquille, Shaquille Griffin. Oh, how can I forget about Griffin? Yeah. who's Well, they have both Griffins, but Shaquem's the cornerback. Shaquille's, he's a linebacker, but does a lot of pass rush stuff too. He uh, he's I, I really like his coverage from when I watched a little bit of Syracuse last season. His coverage ability is... And his pass rushing ability is really, really, uh, in terms of his value, really, really good. I think this might be the second highest or third highest. I don't know. They didn't have too many great value picks overall in this draft. So I, I'm feeling more around the B range, B minus range. Like, it's a good pick for the Seahawks, but it's still just questionable this overall draft, what their plan was. Yeah, I- 
I'm just giving them, I want to give them a little credit with this pick. At least they took a guy who had seemed to fall a little bit and has good upside. And at least they're going for an upside guy in the fifth round instead of a second round pick. Well, at least he gets my honors of being the only other B grade in this draft. <laughs> Ugh, yikes. <laughs> uh, we got two more picks. In the next one, six around 214th overall. They took Freddie Swain, wide receiver out of Florida. I'll start here just because I know for the next pick you're going to start first. <laughs> going back really to the zero picks for me, Swain was what, their third receiver at Florida this past year? Um, Yes, he was. A third receiver out of a team who didn't have a great passing game makes it a little bit questionable. He's a solid overall athlete. He might contribute on special teams, I believe. That's the only spot that I really see him contributing, even though they, as we mentioned, you had wide receiver as a potential need. I just don't see him having that upside as a wide receiver three. He will likely be a special teams contributor at the best. They sh- there are plenty of other... Wa- There's, this wide receiver class was so deep. And if they, I guess they didn't really feel like they needed one, which is why they waited to the 214th overall pick. I'm just not sure what Swain is going to provide for you as a legitimate wide receiver. So I don't love the pick. It, the value is not terrible. We're in the 214th. We're getting end of the sixth round here. But even so, they could have maybe even done a little better. Yeah, he is probably going to be competing for the backup slot receiver spot, if anything. I'm not happy that with a draft that was so deep in wide receiver, and there were still a couple other decent receivers at this point, too, that we've addressed with the other teams that got great value out of them. I'm not really cons- I'm not really sure what, what their plan is with this pick either. He's most likely going to be special teams. I know I mentioned that they needed a, a third receiver, as we're probably not going to expect Dorsett or David Moore to be that guy. But even then, he's going to struggle against like Penny Hart and Cody Thompson. So if he really wants to be a receiver, he's going to have a tough time. I think this is just a, a C minus grade for me. They they could have had other receivers if they wanted a developmental receiver. There were other guys, and if they wanted someone that they actually wanted to start. There was one guy in the seventh round that was still available. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at, where he has that, I guess he, yeah, he has that special teams potential, and that's really the only level where I see him being contributed. He never, he didn't have good numbers of Florida, like I said, and he was their third receiver. It's not, I don't really know. There are better third receivers at other big name schools where I would have rather taken the risk on than Swain. But well, let's get to the best pick of the draft. The second LSU guy, 251st overall, 7th round, Steven Sullivan, tight end. Sammy, you gave this an A-plus grade, am I correct? It's an A-plus grade for me. <laughs> in terms in terms of a Sammy drafts pick, this is an A-plus-plus. I can't go wrong with drafting any more LSU players, you know. But in terms of an actual Seahawks draft, I'm honestly really confused. <laughs> like i'm sure you must be as confused as i am with this pick (laughs) their second tight end when they already have five others and he wasn't lsu's best tight end he was lsu's backup tight end he's not as big or as fast as moss and moss isn't even that fast of a guy to begin with like i understand seeing why he fell in the draft and like 
he went undrafted. I can see why he that happened because you know tight ends were being highly valued overall, and his just wasn't fast. But he had good hands, and he was a really good blocker. And yet, you still drafted someone who was slower than him, <laughs> despite Moss's injury. Still slower than than Moss. So I'm not sure what the plan is for Sullivan if he makes the team. I'm not sure where he's gonna fit. They already have at this point now seven other tight ends when you account for Parkinson, and he's not gonna be he's not gonna be a receiver. You're not gonna move him to receiver. <laughs> Sullivan, I love you. You're my you're my boy, A plus. But I just don't know why. <laughs> I just don't know why. He's going to be a blocking tight end. There's receiving chops. He's not athletic, as you mentioned. He's not a great receiver. They're not going to use him in that regard. He's going to come in. He's going to block. Be a sixth lineman when they go run heavy. That's all I see him as. Maybe a special teamer. I don't want to... It's a zero grade. I don't want to hate on it too much because we're at the 251st pick, but not the best LSU tight end available at this point. And we're at pick 251. <laughs> that's kind of the really where you have to think about it. Where that's, that's yeah, how you really summarize this pick. <laughs> Free Thaddeus Moss. Please. <laughs> He's now in Washington, so yeah, he needs to be freed. Please save him from a potential ACL injury. That 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 field is gonna guaranteed. scare me. It's guaranteed. That yeah, that field combined with his injury issues as is. And their medical staff, which is also highly questionable with getting injured players back and ready to go. I'm just, it's going to be rough for him. I'm sorry, Sammy. Just, just protect guys. I have another LSU guy that's done for with injuries. Let's, let's not be, let's just wrap this up. I don't want it to get too depressing. (laughs) All right. Give me your final thoughts in grade, because I know you said you, had some interesting things to say. I mean, you just said let's wrap it up because you don't want it to become depressing. But overall, this draft was depressing to me. So, look, this was not one of my favorite drafts. In terms of value, they really reached on most of their picks. In terms of needs, they didn't really address all of them. The offensive line still is questionable. They drafted only one lineman with Damian Lewis. I know that they signed a couple guys over the offseason, but they're nothing special. Like, they, they sign a couple tackles, but they're really nothing special that they could easily be replaced by some of the talents going forward in, in this draft. So this is this is like a C, C- minus overall. If you count for the average of all the picks I gave them, this is probably a C or average. Because yeah, the I thing mean- is, the thing is, though, is that even though we say that the players that they drafted, they're not bad players. They're just not spots that they really need to address. Other teams that we've addressed so far that like I've given them a low overall draft grade is we just don't see them being used in the team going forward. Like their abilities aren't that special. These guys, they all bring in something that they can be used for, but this isn't the team that they should be on really barring like a couple for sure. They had a couple bad reaches, really, the first two picks. Other than that, it wasn't awful in terms of their reaches. I had four zeros, which is not great. I think that's as many zeros as I've had for really any team. And they only had eight picks. It's not like they were the Minnesota Vikings with their 15, that there was just more possibilities of whatever draft grade. 
I had two checks, didn't or three checks, didn't really hit needs, and two of those were defensive end. As you mentioned, should have hit offensive line a lot more. I was really disappointed in that. But the reason I'm going to give it a C and not a C minus is the Robinson pick was good. The Lewis pick I like. And then, as you mentioned, plenty of these guys in two years could be solid picks for them. That's how I'm going to differentiate that, as you mentioned, from like the worst drafts where very only one or two players I see being valuable in the next year or so. Maybe a couple of them, like Lewis and Taylor, will probably be the only ones that are year one. But guys like Robinson and Brooks and maybe even Dallas will be a contributor a year or two down the line with some development. Could be worse, but it could have been so much better. That Jordan Brooks pick, woof. Just that was that was a huge pick value wise in the draft for me. And you know the funny thing is, is that it, the reason why I don't like I want to knock this draft but not knock it too hard is because it wasn't that long ago that you know if you remember the infamous F grade draft by the Seahawks. Which one was that? Where they drafted basically their Legion of Boom and Russell Wilson. Oh. There were different years where, yeah, because I mean, like, there was one where they like it was the um, like they drafted Wilson, they had the Wilson's draft, the place they drafted that season, they that that draft was given overall an F grade by I want to say PFF or Bleacher Report. Well, Russell Wilson, perennially underrated. I loved him in college, I liked him at NC State even before he went to Wisconsin, but he was so good at Wisconsin, who ran a good pro style offense. His play action numbers were next level. I think he completed like 80% of his passes on play action that year. And I just knew he would be a successful NFL player. Did I think he'd be this good? No, I obviously did not. I don't think really. Listen, listen to this draft that was given an F grade. They drafted Bruce Irvin. Then they drafted Bobby Wagner. Then they drafted Russell Wilson. Then they drafted Robert Turbin. That, that, that's okay. Jay Howard. Oh, that's all right. Uh, traded to Buffalo, traded a pick to Buffalo for Marshawn Lynch, uh, Jeremy Lane, and that's pretty much the only significant one in this this draft. And that was given an F grade by Bleacher Report. Yeah, they they killed those first few picks were killer, but it wasn't second. I was I thought you meant the secondary guys, and I knew most of those were already in place already. But yeah, great. I'm I haven't given an F grade. I just like I don't give A pluses. I don't. Yeah, I if. The only way you're getting an F if you have like seven minuses out of eight picks. That's really the only way you're getting an F grade for me. I try to stay within that B plus to C plus to C range for the most part. And the Seahawks are at that lower end. They're the C pick. They're not, I've had worse. They're not my worst draft, but they're probably bottom five. For sure. Anything else you want to add? That's, that's it for me, really. All right, cool. Well, This was another classic episode of Firmly Grasp It. And Sammy, thanks for coming on as always. Thanks for having me as always. And thank you for listening. I'm not going to repeat our Twitter and email again. They were in the beginning of the podcast. So if you haven't done those things yet or have them down, you got them now. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Have a nice weekend.